pre-trial is scheduled to start Monday, the 25th of November. So could that be why the Cybertruck reveal is on Thursday, the 21st of November? The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 50 of the Tesla Q podcast. As you heard there at the beginning, there was a little clip from a country music song that talked about a pickup truck. Uh, one one idea that I had with this Cybertruck reveal coming up on Thursday was to find a bunch of different country music song clips that talked about pickup trucks and to mash them all together into an episode. But I didn't do that, so I just left that just just left it at that one singular clip. Uh, before we get started, the podcast does remain in existence despite Tesla reporting a, a profit for the third quarter. So as an ongoing entity, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. And if you want some shorty merchandise, go to evacuationboy.com and see what's available there. Somewhat related to Patreon, I did actually start a Seeking Alpha account today. And I might try my hand at writing some articles there, uh, but I don't plan to do that to the detriment of patrons. So if I write something on there, I think it's free for either 10 days or 14 days. And then after that would be a subscriber only thing. So if I do end up writing articles for Seeking Alpha, I'm going to explore whether I can, after that initial period of it being free on Seeking Alpha, let those be available to patrons or, or something to that effect. So I may end up not writing anything on there. I have no idea. We'll just see how that plays out. So uh, this podcast is being recorded on the evening of November 19th, 2019. That's a Tuesday, uh, two days before the Tesla Cybertruck reveal. As I just mentioned, Tesla shares traded today as high as $359.99. So just under $360. And they didn't manage to, to break above 360 in after hours trading, so they stayed below 360. We'll see what happens going forward, especially with that Cybertruck reveal. So this is episode number 50. That's a big milestone episode. So I've, I've been doing this thing for over 10 and a half months now, and uh, it, it's been a few weeks since I put out a new, new podcast. And part of that is because I've psyched myself out, knowing that being number 50, this is a, a big milestone episode, so I, I want it to reach its full potential and be worthy of the number 50. Uh, that feeling has been somewhat exacerbated because I've been listening to a lot of excellent podcasts recently. I even signed up for a subscription on Luminary, which I think is like $7.99 a month, which isn't that much money in the grand scheme of things, but it's not free, and uh, I did so so that I could listen to Bethany McLean's Making a Killing podcast, and once I was on there, I found the the podcast Sonic Boom, which is about the Seattle Supersonics move from Seattle to Oklahoma City, which was a very interesting story, 
that actually had a little bit of Aubrey McClendon in it. And uh, a free podcast that I listened to recently is Illegal Tinder, which is about Aubrey McClendon and Chesapeake and the fracking boom. And again, it has Bethany McLean. She is clearly very intelligent and does a very good job of seeming to remain neutral as much as possible, considering the subject of some of her her work. And uh, her main theme lately seems to be to explore the line between visionary and fraudster, which sometimes is a very, very thin line, and it applies extremely strongly to Elon Musk, maybe more so than anybody. Elizabeth Holmes, of course, was, was another person it applied to, and Aubrey McClendon, who happened to be featured in both of those podcasts that I that came across recently. And in addition to premium podcasts, I also recently signed up for a premium video streaming thing. I won't give any more details than that so as not to, to plug them. But uh, so premium content is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, also some, some non-premium content that I've uh, consumed lately, micros, that's the way I heard it. Podcast is an excellent podcast. Highly, highly jealous of his voice. He has an excellent voice. And his his format being in the the theme of Paul Harvey's Now You Know the Rest of the Story is is a great it's a great format. And I am somewhat jealous that he has kept his format to such a, a short episode length. Another one is Dolly Parton's America. I've I've only listened to a few episodes of that. I think it's planned to only be nine episodes long the whole series so seeing some of these other podcasts that have finite lifespans of only x number of episodes or finite episode lengths where mike rose episodes are usually only like maybe 10 to 12 minutes and two or three minutes of that is usually advertising because his podcast is so widely listened to that they can make a lot of money from advertising of course and of course Yet another thing that has recently come to my awareness is that Tesla Charts is going to have his own podcast. So several people asked me when, when they saw that news if I, if I was going to continue the Tesla Q podcast, and I am continuing it. I'm not, not going anywhere. Um, and in that process, several people tweeted and encouraged me that they enjoy the podcast and that I should keep doing it. And Tesla Charts himself even pointed out that he was my first guest on the podcast and that there's plenty of room, uh, plenty of content for more than one podcast. There's there's probably enough content related to Tesla from the bearish side to fill four or five different podcasts. So I'm not going anywhere. And yeah, so I do do somewhat regret that I didn't set boundaries for episode length or for the number of episodes that I was going to do when I started the podcast, but that's, that's where I'm at now. So I'm going to keep, keep going while there's things to talk about. I have not capitulated. Many people have on the short side, but, but Hey, what are we going to do? So as part of the ongoing nature of the podcast, I felt a bit of a burden to make sure that it's uh, relatively high quality. So I try to try to write out notes in advance because those episodes seem to go better as far as the the episodes where it's just me talking rather than me interviewing somebody. 
I have had a lot of people say that they enjoy my interviews. Uh, the main thing with that, I think, is just to allow the guest to speak. And it's it's really pretty simple. Just let the guest speak. Don't interrupt them because that can sound annoying. Or if you do interrupt them, edit it afterwards and, and cut out those parts. It's a little trade secret. I shouldn't have given that up. But uh, the, th- the main thing that I need to do is not psych myself out such that I don't actually put out new episodes. Uh, for the months of June 2019 and October 2019, my actual job took up a lot of time, and that was part of why I didn't put out too many podcasts. And then uh, here in November of 2019, Tesla's third quarter financial report and subsequent share price rise has has somewhat impacted my mindset and sucked some of the energy that would otherwise go towards the podcast away. But that waning of energy should now be in the past. And especially if this Cybertruck reveal is as laughable as it possibly could be. Although it may be great. It may be far better than the Model Y. But I'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the episode. Uh, So today I was on a message board whose subject is not finance or stocks at all. And a reply came in to a thread that hadn't, hadn't been replied to since September of 2018. So me, being who I am, the host of the Tesla Q podcast, I couldn't help but resist replying. And the, the, the thread was about Tesla and Tesla's share price. So uh, this following thing that I'll read is, is what I came up with off the top of my head. Uh, I figured since I typed it on this message board totally unrelated to, to Tesla or stocks or finance at all, I, I figured it'd be a waste not to reuse it, so I, I posted it earlier today on my Patreon page, so patrons were able to, to read most of this, so it's probably going to sound familiar to them, and for that I apologize, but I'm going to reuse it yet again here in the audio podcast. So recall, this was in the context of me replying to this message board post from a long time ago. So the past 16 months or so since the original post in this thread have been an insane time to follow Tesla. With the SEC settlement, then subsequently being found in contempt and going to court, then clarifying the settlement, having a capital raise in May 2019, tanking further after the capital raise, being sued by Walmart, subsequently settling as of a few weeks ago, reporting a small quarter three 2019 profit on 39% year-over-year U.S. auto revenue decline, 8% overall year-over-year revenue decline, and a 12% year-over-year auto revenue decline worldwide, Announcing completion of the Shanghai Gear Factory 3, vehicles whose assembly was completed there are supposedly going to be available the end of this week, even though the plant doesn't exactly show up on Tesla's balance sheet yet. Announcing a location for GF4 near Berlin as of last week in Brandenburg, where a forest will need to be cut down, and announcing the Cybertruck this upcoming Thursday, 11-21. So that was just the list that I had off the top of my head of all the, all the crazy stuff. Not all the crazy stuff some high points of of all the crazy stuff that's happened recently. And moving on, I said, the past four weeks have been almost a nonstop pump fest for for Elon. And then somebody replied, and then I replied in response to them, I remain highly skeptical of Tesla, but particularly of Elon Musk as a person. Elon Musk has a trial date beginning 12-3-2019 in Los Angeles, with pre-trial starting next Monday, 11:25, in the defamation lawsuit filed by Vernon Unsworth, there was a filing today that requested that the requested summary judgment from Elon's side was denied. 
My suspicion remains that the Q3 accounting profits that were reported, along with many of the subsequent pumps, are partially to aid in elevating the stock price ahead of that trial. Elon has not yet settled, so it appears that it is going to trial. Elon may end up owing upwards of $10 million once a final judgment is reached. And that $10 million is is that's kind of my lower bound estimate. I, I think it could be closer to $20 plus million, maybe $50 million, who knows. Um, but then I, I, I go on, though there will likely be a trial in the UK if Elon is found to have defamed Mr. Unsworth in the US trial. So that would be additive to whatever Elon ends up owing from this initial case. Elon is quite illiquid, so he may end up needing to sell some shares to make whatever payment he ends up owing with this judgment. The share price rise from around $250 as of October 23rd to today's close at $359 and change will provide some extra cushion for whatever drop might result from Elon needing to sell some shares to either settle or make a judgment payment in that lawsuit. And I went on Elon's brother, Kimball, who is unqualifiedly, and that's a word that is not a real word, but I like it. Um, so he is unqualifiedly a member of Tesla's board of directors, sold some shares last week, something like 64285 if I remember exactly. The market did not react at all to that sale. So then I reiterated some of the financial numbers that I had mentioned in the, the post above. Comparing top-line revenue for quarter three 2019 to quarter three 2018, U.S. auto revenue was down 39% year-over-year. Total revenue, which includes solar and energy storage and regulatory credit sales, was down 8% year-over-year, and total auto revenue was down 12% year-over-year. So yes, Tesla did report a profit for the third quarter of 2019, but year-to-date, total net income through these three quarters is negative $967 million, and Tesla's free cash flow, as they would like for people to see it, which does not include capital costs for the Shanghai Gigafactory 3, as far as I can tell, nor the $302 million of collateralized lease payments that is stuck down in the cash flows from financing line, not cash flows from operations and not CapEx, is hidden from the typical free, co free cash flow calculation, which is operating cash flow minus CapEx. And that value is uh, is sitting at $65 million through nine months. So even with Tesla's, all of Tesla's polishing of their numbers, they are showing $65 million of free cash flow through nine months. So subtracting out that $302 million of capital leases, the collateralized lease payments, would bring free cash flow down to negative $237 million through nine months. Then throw in the the alleged $2 billion cost needed for the Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai, which I, for shorthand purposes, I went ahead and called it Gigafactory 3 rather than my preferred term of Kilo Factory or not all that special of a capacity factory or whatever, whatever alternate name you prefer other than Gigafactory. So throw that $2 billion in, and the situation is not quite as rosy as it might appear. So that's the end of that message board post from earlier today. And uh, I, I think me writing that may have somewhat factored into the decision to start a Seeking Alpha profile. So I'm posting on message boards. 
that don't have anything to do with Tesla. Maybe I have a problem. Maybe I don't. I have a podcast, though. But uh, several things have happened since the last episode when I interviewed Elmer on episode 49. And in rough chronological order, here are a few of them. So October 25th, which was a Friday a couple weeks ago, the Solar City acquisition lawsuit filed by Tesla shareholders uh, there was a lot of new documents that were dropped by Plainsight, who obtained them by being extremely persistent and filing uh, requests based on various different court rules. So those documents came out that day. Uh, talking about those documents could fill multiple episodes of the podcast. So I'm not going to dive deeply into them here on episode number 50, other than to say that it's very clear from those documents that the reasoning behind the acquisition was to avoid financial losses for the Rive brothers and for the Musk brothers, Kimball and Elon, and to avoid destruction of Elon's carefully crafted narrative that he's a visionary genius, rather than crossing that, that seemingly thin line to fraudster, as Bethany McLean has, has termed it. And, uh, from those documents, it was quite clear that the other board members had tons of skepticism about the bailout, but ultimately Elon pushed it through despite the fact that he said that he had recused himself and not voted and, oh, all the other shareholders voted for it. But all the other shareholders were heavily, heavily influenced by Elon and by the October 28th, 2016 Tesla solar shingle reveal, whatever I'm pretty sure that's the day. I could have the date wrong, so if so, I apologize. Uh, this next item that I'm going to mention, I don't remember the exact date of, but it has happened over the last few weeks, and that's that the Walmart lawsuit uh, related to their solar panel installations was settled, so Tesla and Walmart came to some agreement, settled the lawsuit, so Walmart dropped the suit. We have no details on what the terms were of the settlement, how much Tesla had to pay Walmart, how much uh, their repair costs will be to fix whatever Walmart requires that they fix. And we probably won't find anything out definitely before the 10K is filed in February of 2020, and there may not even be much of anything in that. So they settled. That's behind Tesla now. So that's clear blue skies, which is part of why Tesla's share price has rocketed. Um, another item that's happened in the intervening time is that on the 28th of October, Elon tweeted that Googling SolarCity was hard. So I'm not sure whether this was directly to influence uh, search engine optimization, SEO, or whether it was just to gaslight and uh, cause people to not search for SolarCity around that time period because of all the... the, the uh, lawsuit documents that came out thanks to Aaron Greenspan and Think Computer Foundation in plain sight. Um, but regardless, Elon said, don't search on Google for SolarCity. Go directly to tesla.com slash SolarCity or, or whatever it was that he tweeted. Um, it's an odd occurrence, but Elon is sometimes quite odd. Um, same day, Wednesday, not Wednesday, would have been a, the, the 28th of October, whatever day of the week that was. Uh, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday of that week. 
Laura Kalodny on that day put out the what what I'm pretty sure was the very first article that referenced that uh, all those lawsuit documents for the Solar City lawsuit, and it it took several days because there's thousands and thousands of pages of those documents. Uh, on the 30th of October, which was Wednesday, Lynette Lopez of Business Insider put out a piece on the same topic the solar city lawsuit documents and then on the just last week on i think the 13th of november uh there was a piece by dana hole and someone else i don't remember who the other person was because i follow dana very closely on twitter and the other person doesn't ring a bell and i apologize for not having uh the other author's name but there was a much much more lengthy piece on the solar city lawsuit that was in business week. So that came out just this past week, but that just goes to show that as extensive as those documents are, it took a long time to put together articles associated with them. And I would imagine that all the articles have, have not yet been published that will be published on that topic. Um, on the 25th of, of October. So going back, back in time from where I just was, that's when Elon had the Solar Shingle version 3 reveal. Although, I, I don't know if I'd really call it a product reveal because it was a conference call. Audio only with like Elon and one other guy. And they took questions from people. Uh, but it seemed pretty clear that the timing of that was related to the, the release of the documents by Plainsight. Uh, maybe it wasn't, but it seemed like it was. And my main takeaway from the call was that, one, it was only a call. They didn't even have renderings of the uh, the new, allegedly new uh, shingles. They didn't show anything about the connectors, which is a key part of that technology, as you got to connect these shingles uh, to get the current to flow and have the voltage be proper and everything. Uh, the other, other main thing I got from it was that Phil LeBeau probably asked the best question on that call and his question was about how many installers tesla has hired to date so that they can get started installing these and elon didn't really have an answer to that question i I forget exactly how he answered it but i'm pretty sure he didn't directly answer that question which is interesting because just a few months ago elon had tweeted that tesla was spooling up to be able to produce 1,000 roofs per week by the end of 2019. So it's just flipped over past midnight on... So now it's the 20th of November as I record this. So there are 41 days left in the year. And as far as I can tell, Tesla is nowhere close to producing 1,000 solar roofs per week. So we'll see what happens with that. I definitely think that that's a question that needs to continue to be asked and Elon needs to be held accountable for his statement that there would be a thousand solar roofs per week by the end of 2019. So if you happen to be a reporter and happen to be listening to this, uh, don't, don't just don't forget that uh, Elon made that claim. So going back to the document dump from the solar city lawsuit, another key thing from those documents is that it seemed to be pretty clear that the October 2016 solar shingle reveal was not even close to being a working commercially viable product at that time. 
But it did, of course, aid in obtaining shareholder approval for that merger slash bailout. So another thing that happened since the last time that I did an episode is that the Tesla 10Q form for the third quarter of 2019 came out on the 29th of October. And from the data in that 10Q, it was revealed that the U.S. automotive revenue was down 39% from the quarter 3 2018 to quarter 3 2019. So 39%. That's that's not trivial. Yes, Tesla did have their initial deliveries of Model 3s to several new markets in the third quarter of 2019, uh, particularly the, the, the right-hand drive variant of the Model 3. So the United Kingdom, Australia maybe South Korea and a few other places got their first shipments of Model 3s in the third quarter of 2019. So yes, that does account for some of that drop. I I fully grant that, but 39% year-over-year decline. So if they hadn't had these brand new markets to fulfill demand in, I'm quite certain that Tesla still would have had a year-over-year decline for U.S. automotive revenue especially considering they had a worldwide decline in revenue of 8% for the quarter including all of their all of their products so their total revenue was down 8%. So at they still have a growth multiple though so they got that going for them. Uh, another another fun fact from the 10Q was uh, about the foreign exchange gain uh that was even in the 10Q. That seemed to be pretty heavily obfuscated. That's a tough word at uh, after midnight. Obfuscated, uh, but it seems through all of the sleuthing and number crunching that people have done subsequent to the release of the 10Q, it seems that the way that Tesla managed to have a foreign exchange gain when the dollar strengthened against all these other currencies that they were selling vehicles as part of. Uh, apparently, their liability asset, the money that they owed in some other markets exceeded the money that they were owed. So that is somehow that's how they got the foreign exchange gain. It, it's a lot of convoluted accounting. It's It wasn't a cash gain. It was an accounting gain. So whatever. Go, go Tesla. You reported an accounting profit. Have fun. Uh, another thing that occurred on the 29th of October, Tesla Charts put out an excellent thread about Kimball Musk based on uh, Kimball's deposition, which was released as part of that document dump. I won't go into too much detail, but uh, just a, a few highlights are that Kimball was a very large shareholder of Solar City. He was on the board of Tesla, he was on the board of SpaceX, and he was the CEO of The Kitchen, which is his restaurant company. And he's also the brother and cousin to Lyndon Rive, the CEO of SolarCity, along with, of course, being Elon's brother. Um, but most of it was talking about the, uh, the fact that Kimball was in a very, uh, very bad liquidity situation, and also... As part of his deposition, he he apparently indicated that he didn't know what some business terms mean, and 
it it was a it was a good thread. So showed pretty clearly where what Kimball's situation was at the time of the Solar City acquisition. Another aspect of the Solar City acquisition and the associated lawsuits and the documents associated lawsuit and the documents that were released in in conjunction with that lawsuit are um, that apparently Kimball was about to have a margin call on around February 8th or 9th of 2016. And just the very, like, one or two days later is when Elon started taking deposits for the Model 3. So my theory is that the acceleration of the Model 3 development program and taking deposits was partially a direct result of Elon of uh, Kimball Musk's liquidity situation in February of 2016. Whether I could ever prove that or not, is highly debatable, highly doubtful, actually. But that's that's my supposition from the timing of those activities. So enough of that. Uh, also on the 29th of October, Elon Musk pledged on Twitter that he was going to donate one million trees to some campaign. Uh, and he changed his name to Trelon Musk on Twitter after somebody suggested that. That's interesting to look back on now, uh, now that we've heard the, the announcement about the planned location for the Gigafactory 4 in Germany near Brandenburg, and the fact that there is a whole bunch of trees that are going to have to be cut down if they're going to build that factory there. So one, one might wonder if this 1 million tree donation was partially for search optimization search engine optimization purposes to take away attention from the fact that if Tesla's going to build the Gigafactory 4 in Brandenburg near Berlin where they have said that they plan to they're going to have to cut down a whole bunch of trees to do so so just a little something to keep in mind not a big deal one way or the other in terms of Tesla's share price but trees do take a while to grow so it's good to not cut them down if you don't need to. On 11, 1 and 10.30, there were some insider sales. So on, on 10.30, Drew Baglino, who is now the highest ranking technology officer for Tesla. He's not, he, he didn't get the CTO title when J.B. Straubel left, but when J.B. Straubel left, Drew Baglino is apparently the highest ranking guy now. But uh, on the 30th of October, he sold about 2,366 shares of of Tesla, and he has about 7,335 remaining. And I I had a tweet about this that had a lot more detail, but uh, it, of his of his grants, uh, I think he had been granted something like 20 some thousand shares. So he's already sold like 18,000 or so of. 20 something thousand that have vested from that award and uh this particular block of of shares that he sold on the 30th of october he sold at 313 dollars per share so i guess he he didn't quite see that it was going to get up to 359.99 today so uh also on 11 1 so the first of november jerome guillen who is basically the the top operational guy at Tesla. He's the president of automotive. I think is his title. He sold 8,973 shares 
and he has 22,250 remaining. So not a, I mean, percentage wise, that's, that's a relatively large chunk and he sold at 316. So I guess he also didn't see this subsequent rise to 359.99, but, um, so both those guys, top, top ranking executives of the company, but they sold pretty big chunks of shares. So take, take that for whatever you think it's worth. Maybe nothing, maybe everything. Uh, not, not quite everything, but it's not nothing. I'll, I'll leave it at that. On the 31st of October, I saw a very interesting tweet that there was an FOIPA, which I, I'm assuming is like a Freedom of, of, Freedom of Information Act request, uh, but, but for the FBI, um, a member of Tesla Q Twitter had requested information from the FBI related to that for, for investigations that are potentially related to Tesla. And apparently there's over a hundred thousand pages that, that could be produced. So that getting those documents, as far as I know, is in progress. I have no idea when they'll be delivered. It's a, a lot of documents could take a very long time to sort through them. Hopefully the FBI is organized in whatever investigations they have ongoing and will be able to act in a time frame that is appropriate for whatever actions they need to take. Um, on the 1st of November 2019, of course, Tesla had a $566 million payment due. That was from a convertible bond issuance from Solar City that they absorbed as part of that bailout, which I've already talked about a lot in this episode. Um, around the same time, or a couple days later, actually, I think it was, uh, might have, might have been on the 31st of October on Halloween. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, there was the NHTSA petition about the Model S and Model X batteries and the over-the-air update that reduced the range on some of those vehicles and the question of whether that was to reduce fire risk. So the NHTSA got this petition from Edward, I believe it's Edward Chin is the lawyer, and the, the firm that filed this um, petition. So that is being investigated. I think initially the number 2,000 vehicles was thrown out there, but I think when this release came out at the end, either end of October, beginning of November, I believe it said that it was all Model S and X vehicles from the 2013 model year through 2016 or 17. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was inclusive of all Model S and X vehicles, not that subset of 2000 that may have gotten that over-the-air update and had the range reduced and possibly the charge time increased. I'm not not certain about that. But that whole that whole question brings up the question of is Tesla operating their batteries or, or pushing their battery cells to their limits or farther than is reasonable? Does Tesla have an adequate margin of safety in their battery cells compared to other manufacturers. My suspicion, and it's only a suspicion, it's not proven, and I have no uh, no experimental findings or anything to back it up, it's only a suspicion on my part, is that part of the reason that Tesla has a higher range for their battery cells and faster charge times for their batteries is that they may be being a bit more aggressive and and 
maintaining less of a margin of safety for their batteries than other manufacturers. The other side of that, of course, is that they've been doing electric vehicles at scale for longer than these other manufacturers. So maybe they have data that, in their opinion, or their engineering judgment or whatever, maybe they think it's okay to, to operate and not maintain more of a margin of safety. But the spontaneous fire in Shanghai and other other random or seemingly random fires bring that into question. So that's something that's that the NHTSA is actively inquiring about, I will say. On around the 8th of November, there was the David Einhorn, Elon Musk back and forth. Uh, that's been pretty well covered. Uh, Elon, of course, he typed out his letter to, to David Einhorn and tweeted it as a reply to a Zero Hedge article that talked about David Einhorn's latest quarter three letter. And he referred to Einhorn as Mr. Unicorn and signed it at the end, Trelon. So cute and whimsical. But David Einhorn replied and said, yes, I would gladly tour one of, tour your facilities. And when, when can we do it? Can you bring along the CFO? We have some questions for him. And we'd like to start in Buffalo. And subsequent to that, Elon Musk has not replied, as far as I know. Uh, so, Elon, come on, man. Reply to Mr. Einhorn. You, you put out the offer. You said it's a standing offer. Mr. Einhorn replied promptly within a day or less, and you have subsequently ignored it as far as anybody can tell. So, Elon, the ball is in your court. Mr. Einhorn has responded. Come on. So, uh, last week, around the 13th or 14th of, of November, Elon announced that the Gigafactory 4 will be built near Berlin in Brandenburg. Um, so, as I already mentioned, there's the, the tree issue. But some other issues are the fact that Germany's cost of labor is not low. Germany has very strong unions. Tesla has a bit of a history as a, a union-busting company. I think they've even been sued for that, by the, uh, or at least somehow punished by the National Labor Relations Board in association with that. And the, uh, there was a cost estimate that came out on Sunday night, the 17th of November, of $4.4 billion to build this factory. Uh, I saw, after that, I saw some tweets that, uh, that most manufacturers would only spend around $1.5 billion for a comparably sized factory. So I don't know, I don't know if that's fully true as far as the, um, like the need to have a, a battery cell plant and uh, cell assembly. Maybe not a cell plant. Maybe they could get cells sourced from somewhere else and assemble them there. But I did see that the Volkswagen investment in uh, North America to start building EVs was like $800 million at at the plant that they're going to do that at. And that does in, involve uh, battery pack assembly, not the actual cell production. The cell production is from a third party. So $800 million for Volkswagen's addition. But they're not building an entire new factory. They're adding on to an existing factory. 
So 4.4 billion, I don't know. That seems like it would be more an all-in cost if you were going to build everything from scratch. Cell production, pack assembly, and vehicle assembly all all at the same place. So maybe that is Tesla's plan. If it is, I don't think it's a good plan, but they didn't ask me. On the 12th of November, Kimball Musk sold 64,285 shares, mostly at $350, and he sold 95 of them at $355. So since today the price was over $355 for a good portion of the day, I will be interested to see if there's another Form 4 for Kimball that comes out uh, later this week. I guess it may not come out until late in the day on Thursday if he did have have some sales today. So it might come out either right before or right after the Cybertruck reveal. So that could be interesting to watch on Thursday evening. On the 13th of November, Tanija Vaibhav, the chief accounting officer, sold 452 shares at $350.80. And as of that time, he had 1,020 remaining. Saw tonight that he sold a few more. He sold 39, which was uh, to meet tax obligations. So it's not not a big deal. I initially read it wrong and saw the the column that had a thousand something shares, and read that read it as him having sold a thousand something shares. But I I read it wrong because I zoomed in too far on my phone. But uh, he's the chief accounting officer, and he just sold 400. He, he sold like 30 percent of it. 30 almost right around 30% of his shares. And that was not part of a 10 B five one plan. So it was not, um, not an advanced decision when he had the sale on the 13th of November, the sale that was reported today, which I guess would have been from the 18th of November, Monday, uh, was, was for tax purposes. So it was basically a nothing burger on Sunday night, the 17th of November, Ford released their Mustang Mach-E, which is an all-electric SUV. It has very similar specs to the Model Y. Uh, the big difference between it and the uh, b- between the Mach-E and the Model Y is that the Mach-E will still have the $7,500 federal income tax credit once it's released, whereas the Model Y will not. So, lots, lots, and lots of ink has been spilled about the the Mach-E reveal. So, I'm not going to get into any more detail on that on this episode. Um, earlier today, the 19th of November, Nikola Motor Company announced that they had a big big breakthrough in battery technology, which would allow battery range to double from like 300 miles to 600 miles for a comparably sized battery. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Um, there's much, much skepticism from Tesla fans and Tesla bears about that. Uh, Nikola actually replied to one of my tweets about it, and uh, they said that they had tested it under vehicle-like conditions. They pointed out that because it's in a pack, it's not like just a, it's not subject to crazy, crazy vibrations. So I was glad to see that they actually did reply to me. Uh, so I thank them for that. And I saw later this evening that uh, Trevor Milton, who's the CEO and founder of Nikola Motor Company, has uh, is considering trying to seek out the world's top third-party battery expert to independently test uh, their claims on this. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. I 
I maintain a level of skepticism, but there are aspects of of Nicola's management and such that cause me to to find them to be a bit more believable than Tesla in a lot of a lot of ways. So maybe I'll be fooled completely with that. Maybe maybe his uh, mansion that that Trevor just bought maybe that should have been a clear indication that that he's not a better manager and more honest than Elon Musk. But but we'll see. So Thursday, the 21st of November, is the Cybertruck reveal. As as I featured the, the little clip of a country music song to open the podcast, uh, I'm not sure that, that Tesla really understands the target demographic of most pickup truck buyers, but we'll, we'll see about that. Um, maybe, a, maybe on a future episode... I'll talk a little bit more about the Cybertruck and maybe include some more country music songs as I have heard many of them growing up throughout my life. Uh, but with this Cybertruck reveal, there's been tons of, of renders of hypothetical ways that this truck could look, and most of them have looked horrendous in my opinion. Uh, but I have a I have a, an inkling that maybe maybe Elon does actually have something decent up his sleeve. Maybe not. Um, if they don't even have like a, a prototype to bring on stage, I'm going to be pretty disappointed because they, they cobbled together a Model Y back in back on the 14th of, of March and rolled it out on stage. So they've had this Cybertruck reveal seems to be not quite as haphazardly put together as that one. Um, the, the version 3 roof call, that was pretty pathetic because it was audio only. Didn't even have any good renders. The Model 3 at $35,000 call on the 28th of February, that didn't go so well, uh, especially with the the haphazard announcement that they were closing the stores. The Model Y reveal two weeks after that seemed to, to me to be a very abrupt, uh, hurriedly put together thing that was probably a result of Tobman laying the smack down on them in the Wall Street Journal and saying, hey, uh, you guys still owe about a billion dollars of, of leases, lease obligations for these stores. You can't just close them. So that, from from my perspective, it appeared that the Model Y reveal was prompted by that, that whole fiasco. So we'll see if this Cybertruck reveal goes better. But another possibility is that it's just to draw attention, draw some attention away from the upcoming defamation lawsuit, which is apparently going to court, and the pretrial is scheduled to start Monday, the 25th of November. So could that be why the Cybertruck reveal is on Thursday, the 21st of November? Maybe so, but that is yet to be seen. So I think I'm going to call that it for today's episode number 50. But uh, I do, as always, appreciate that you listen. And if you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and become a monthly contributor. And if you want some shorty merchandise, go to evacuationboy.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again. Bye-bye.